Hey everybody, welcome back to 321 Discuss. I am your host, Nick. We are so excited to be back for our third episode. Tanner, what do we got planned for today? Alright, today we got currently number four ranked on the most popular anime ever list. Only behind Naruto, One Piece, and Bleach. We have Attack on Titan, a favorite of almost every fan worldwide of anime. Nick, what do you think made this show so popular and captivating to the audience? I think it honestly has to be its masterful blend of gripping drama, lovable characters, and exciting action. Because if you look at it, that's what it is at its core is an action show. It's about people with swords taking on giant behemoths. So what was their hook? Like, what was that moment where people looked at this show and they were like, oh my god, this is amazing. I think there are two, honestly. I think the moment where the Colossal Titan first reaches over the wall, like that first shot from Attack on Titan, has become iconic. Like it, it got memed to death oh, just over and over again. That moment is, yeah, very iconic in Attack on Titan. But then also, I think the moment Aaron first transforms into a Titan is kind of when... In a way, it propelled the sh- it both propelled the show forward, but also kind of pulled it back short term. Because we look at what it's become now, and we're like, absolutely the right choice. Absolutely, Aaron had to become a Titan. One hundred percent, I agree. He's like the standing pillar of this show. When you think of Aaron Yeager, nothing's gonna stop him if he wants to do something. He's this hothead brute of a person. There's a quote here from Keith Chavez, which was the training instructor for the 104th Cadet Corps. So he says, lackluster in the classroom, marginally better in the field, but driven by a sense of purpose that's almost terrifying. So what do you take from that quote? He's talking about this kid who's in the classroom, you know, he's mediocre. He's your everyday average runt. But in the field, you know, nobody can stop him. He might be a runt in the classroom, but, like, he is locked on in the field. What does that say to you? Well, Aaron Yeager is paramount to the show because he fully embodies the show's strong theme of freedom. Aaron Yeager is a character who truly, in a lot of ways, is free. He doesn't care what anybody thinks about what he does, and nothing is going to stop him. And in that way, he is truly free. It's exactly as you said, Aaron Yeager is the core of the show. But something that I love about Attack on Titan is that it is easily the most complex show we have discussed so far. Because not only is Aaron Yeager this strong pillar for it, it also has an amazing ensemble, which was revealed throughout the course of seasons two and three. I don't think I'm alone. When I first watched season one, I didn't know anybody's names outside of Aaron, Armin, Mikasa, and Levi. Speaking of Captain Levi, his backstory is crazy. Yeah, you, it is. You look at this is Aaron's role model in life. I would say he looks at Captain Levi. I mean, from the first entrance that he made, Aaron just sealed up the wall with the rock. He's coming out of the Titan. They're about to. They're about to get fucked. They are. There's two Titans right there. Levi takes them both out faster than anybody's killed a Titan all day, and just stands there like what are you doing and you better explain this now in a way that I like or I'm going to kill you anyways. There's a reason he's humanity's strongest soldier, my guy. For real. I mean, you see 
tons of stuff about Captain Levi, especially in... Okay, well, let's put a break on Captain <laughs> Levi real quick because I want to go into Season 4 almost directly. Oh, my God. Me. Of course we have to go into Season 4. Of course, but let's reel it back a little bit. Okay, so I would say Season 1 and 2 are really the building pillars mm-hmm. for the show to run on. So they're building the road to run on in Season 1 and 2. Don't get me wrong, it's still amazing. I mean, you got the battle between the Attack Titan and the Female Titan inside of the most closed-off wall. They've never seen a Titan there. Aaron has his arm ripped off, his leg ripped off, his jaw smashed, but he's still running after this Female Titan. He's running after Annie. That point right there for me was the point where I was like, okay, like, this show is next level. I mean, there's so many other points when you see just the animation of the sword play when they're in their ODM gear and everything. I mean, I could go on forever talking about just how much they did right building this show onto these last two seasons. What do you think about that, Nick? I love what you were talking about with the animation quality of the show because I think that's something we absolutely have to mention. This show is beautiful to look at. Props to everybody who's ever worked on this show. And I also love the point you brought up about how the show has evolved so much throughout throughout the series. It's essentially a different show where we're at in season four. I 100% agree with that. You start with a dystopian future. Humanity is completely wiped out except for those within these three walls. It's almost a zombie apocalypse in a way. But it's become a show that's so much more about humanity. Now it's a war show. It's a show about war. Humans fighting humans. And I think it's so crazy how a show that was criticized for glorifying violence when it first started is now very clearly anti-war. That is very clearly the message of season four. I'll get to that a bit more uh, later. But... I guess the thing I want to wrap up about that is, yeah, this show has just evolved so much. Okay, so their early years, you get a lot more of the people in the 104th Cadet Corps. You get Aaron, Mikasa, Armin, Connie, Jean. You get... <laughs> it's John. I love calling him Jean. <laughs> I feel like it'd make him mad, so I'm going to keep calling him it. I mean, and he really is like the alter ego of Aaron Yeager. Like, Aaron's all, this is my birthright. You will not take it from me. And then you have this guy, and he, like a quote from him, if I hadn't become a soldier, I would never have to worry about who's next. I know I have to fight, but not everyone can be a suicidal maniac like you. He very clearly knows he needs to, but isn't happy to do it like Aaron is. Mm -hmm. So... You just see a lot of different driving points in this show between the different character relations. You get to see the internal workings, like who's closer with who, almost to the point like Aaron and Mikasa. They killed people when they were just kids together. I mean, that's a bond if I've ever seen one. You have Armin, the smart friend. Every friend group has one. Everyone's super protective over him. But in the beginning... There are these separate groups. As the show comes together and certain people die off, these separate groups that are formed together by this bond of being in, you know, the scout regiment and stuff, Mm -hmm. they 
those walls almost come down and it's forming one big group. Now you have a tension rod on there with season four and Aaron. So how do you think that with season four that this is going to progress with the character's emotional states in the show? Because you just had Sasha die off. And now Aaron, practically from what we're getting, he went berserk and AWOL. So now you see all this different stuff happening within the walls. How do you think it's going to turn out? I think that this show is such a beautifully human story because of a lot of things you were just talking about. How it's primarily about these people and their relationships with each other. And how that grows and how that evolves. And now what we're seeing in season four is everything that they've learned along the way being put to the test. Every time they've revealed something about the world and things that they didn't know, they've added another layer to what they honestly describe in that show a lot of time as their hell. Because first, it's, there are these man-eating titans coming to eat us. Well, actually, hey, those aren't man-eating people that are just mindless. Those are people and they're victims just like you. That makes things a bit harder. Oh, wait, it's not even we're the last people. We're just the people on this island and everybody on the earth hates us. It just makes everything more complex the more and more that they reveal. And I'm astounded that it was able to do it in such a way that it didn't feel like they just pulled it out of their ass, honestly. <laughs> I agree. It's almost hard to talk about this show mm-hmm. because you don't know where to drive the conversation to make... Oh, there's the- just so much. Exactly. So almost the turning point and their knowledge in the show is Rod Rice when when his daughter finds out that she's Historia. So now you have this person of royal blood and excuse me, she didn't even she knew it. She just was told she had to hide it for so long. She had watched her mother die. This girl just wants somebody to love her and this dad's taking advantage of it. Rod Rice has taken advantage of it. So now he's trying to convince her to eat Aaron. Rod Rice was a piece of shit. Yeah, not a good dude. So <laughs> in this scene, he's trying to convince her to turn into a titan because mm-hmm. he's scared to do it himself. Ain't no other way around it. Well, Bro's a pussy. The whole thing about Rod Rice is he was just trying... He didn't give a fuck about anything else. He just wanted to preserve his power. Exactly. He was full of shit about caring about... Wanting to destroy the Titans, he knew that she would submit to the First King's will immediately. He's just trying to restore his power so that he can sit on his ass for the rest of his life. He's too chicken shit to d- take the Titan himself. He's got to remember, he said that his younger brother was the one who took the Titan before Historia was going to. And so, then he forced it on his younger brother, then on two of his daughters because he was too much of a fucking coward to own up to his destiny. I mean, if you want to call it his destiny, but this is the real turning point you see in Historia's character. She breaks away from that, I need approval, and it's the, I don't care what people say anymore, because, you know what, everybody's a bad guy in this world. Yeah. There's no good people. And you see that reiterated in season four, when Rhina and Aaron are talking, and Aaron's like, you know what? We're the same, bro. You came and attacked us because it was your mission, and I'm here for the same reason. The same thing that I hate you for, I'm about to do to every person here, but I feel justified just like you did. And guess what? There's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to go ahead and say it. 
for those of you that know, this show is what The Last of Us Part Two wanted to be. It perfectly portrays how all war and all this conflict is just this cycle of hatred and violence that never ends. That violence just sparks more violence. And I think it's so cool how now in season four, the tables have turned. And we're seeing that these people, the Marleans and all these other Eldians, they're looking at the people of Paradis that we've come to know and love over the years. They're looking at them the same way they looked at the Titans. They've almost become the monsters that they were fighting. And it shows almost more how stupid that is. Because everybody's just looking at each other as monsters to justify their cruelty so that they can feel better about themselves. But we're all just people. We're not monsters. They're not devils. They're not the people of Emir. They're just people. And... No matter what your reason, hurting other people is never going to be okay. And that's what's so beautiful about Attack on Titan. <laughs> I mean, I guess so, Nick. <laughs> um, <laughs> my boy was a little passionate about that. Okay? Dude, I'm okay. very passionate about that shit. Okay, so you see the new characters coming in like Gobby and Falco. And you're learning more about the Beast Titan Zeke and everything. So, Gobby killed... Sasha, and I just want to put it into perspective. This just, they were leaving. There was going to be no more death and everything. So it's the whole, I can see the argument of actions have reactions and everything. But it's just showing that Sasha would still be alive without the threat of violence that Aaron forced everybody into. Yeah, they would solve the Warhammer Titan and they'd have all that. But what would have been the different outcome if maybe they scouts had planned that whole assault together with Aaron? I don't think they would have gone for that assault if Aaron hadn't forced their hand because it was very reckless. I think a lot of that turned out in their favor because of luck, because they said beforehand that there was only seven casualties before Sasha died. That's a total of eight For them, that's very much not good because they don't have the numbers. But that's still incredible that they went on an assault in enemy territory and only lost eight people. Especially with the fact that they had to be forced to go in there to go save Aaron. They clearly didn't have a whole lot of time to prep that because we know that Aaron getting into there by himself to go meet with Zeke to the point of the attack was one month where he was sending them letters through Falco. That is true. So they had one month to prepare for that. And they only lost eight people. That's pretty incredible. That is pretty incredible. I mean, their team is really built with animals. I mean, you got Aaron Yeager, 23 Titan kills. You got Mikasa, 16 Titan kills. You got Captain Levi, 87 at least is what they're saying. So you have John with kills. I mean, you have all these people who are making the top 10 list for most kills in Attack on Titan, you got just the one, two, three, the top four. Levi, Aaron, Mikasa, and Hanji. And they have over 130 Titan kills and over 200 like actual human kills. So... There's no, taking, way that, there's no way that the people of Marley could ever have been ready to fight them. I mean, you saw the fear in these people's eyes when 
they saw Captain Levi and they were like, oh crap. And then they saw Mikasa and they're like, oh crap. They brought both Ackermans. Like, the, this name grips fear in their hearts and they haven't even seen them in person before this point. And we also see with the jaw hammer, with the jaw titan, sorry, not the jaw hammer. So with the jaw titan, he saw them coming at him with their thunder spears. He's like, what? They're coming at a titan? What are they doing? It's because they allowed the what they thought they were doing was keeping them contained. What they were actually doing was making them strong. Because now there's nothing they can really throw at them that they're not going to be ready for. They know about their technology, and their ace up their sleeve was the Titans. They have been fighting Titans their entire lives. They know how to deal with Titans. So there's nothing that they could have been ready for. But now they are ready for them. Marley's coming ready. So Marley's coming ready. The last scene you see is the bottom of the floor exploding, Titan bursting out of it. What's coming next? Marley. Marley is coming. That's what's coming next. Marley is going to start their invasion, and I think it's going to be a mad dash for Aaron to get to Zeke. They're right there. From where we left off, they're starting their attack now. So I think Season 4 Part 2 is going to pick up right where we left off. And Zeke is... We're not really sure what's happened to Zeke so far. He just blew himself up. And then a Titan stuffed him in his guts. So I don't think Zeke's dead. No, but whose side is Zeke going to be on? That's a, a lot of the big mystery. I, I do think that he's genuine in his Eldian euthanization plan. Yeah, I think both him and Aaron are genuinely... I don't think Aaron is. At the moment for what his character arc is and the way that his character has been acting, I think that's what he believes is best. He just doesn't want to. I don't think he's working with Zeke. I I think he's lying. Okay, so... Because you got to look at... What's his end goal then? I don't know what his end goal is, but I don't think he's being genuine in his motivations. Because if they because, wanted the beast Titan, they could have taken him already. Look, we got We have to read between the lines. I think Aaron clearly has a plan that he needs the founding Titan for. Otherwise, he wouldn't be working with Zeke at all. I don't think he is on Zeke's side. So you think- the, his change in heart is too sudden. From what we see from him talking to Rhina, he's talking to him like he's accepted him. Like he understands why Rhyna is so at war with himself and why he did the things he did. He says to him, of course you put my home to hell. You thought you were saving the world, that we were devils that deserved to die. What else could you have done? And I thought that the people across the sea were my enemies. But then I came across the sea. I slept in the, in the homes they offered me. I ate the food they offered me. I realized that they're just people like me. And then immediately afterwards, he starts committing mass genocide. That doesn't add up. He clearly has some plan in order. And what I think is happening is I think he is setting up a zero requiem. What that means is for those of you that don't know, there's this incredible show called Code Geass. Go ahead and watch it. I'm about to spoil the ending. It ends with the main character, Lelouch, Basically taking over the world and becoming a dictator so that all the world's hatred would be directed towards him. And then he allows himself to die so that now the entire world has become basically kind of an ally against his common enemy. And those bonds of friendship continue and it starts an era of world peace. I think that Aaron Yeager might be planning something similar to that. 
If he starts the rumbling and allows the people of Paradis to stop him, they have proven themselves not to be devils. They are now the saviors of humanity. Yeah, but there's just, like, problems. Like, Mikaza and all the scouts, they're not just going to let that. One, they wouldn't let Aaron do that in the first place. And second of all, they wouldn't let... Exactly. Kill Aaron, so. Exactly. They, that's why he had to get them to turn against him. Because if they Are turn they against really him, against then they him. will try to stop him. But like people like Mikasa, they're not going to turn against Aaron. Everybody but Mikasa and uh, Armin have pretty much have no doubts. Jean is the only one who's stated doubts. Everybody else has basically all said either, Aaron, you were wrong. We should have put our hopes in him. He's lost his mind. Pretty much everybody's given up on. They're ready to take him out. I don't know if they're ready. I think it's just like them voicing their frustrations. You got to think of how much Aaron's actually like saved the people and everything. Without Aaron, that whole everybody in those walls would be dead. More than one wall would have been breached. None of them would have got resealed. And because they, I mean, they tried with the nets. They tried doing stuff to reseal this stuff before. I think. It's just starting an arc where the characters are going to be torn about what they're doing in the end. At the end of the day, because they've been through so much together, they're not just going to let one of their own flop. I think you'd have a point, but we heard from Captain Levi when he was coming after Zeke, I'm used to putting down my own comrades. Yeah. They, these, these are people who are have been prepared to kill each other for years. They've been all stated multiple times at the show, I will put you down if you turn against us, Aaron. And now that time has come. I think they've come to terms with that. The only one who wouldn't allow it to happen is Mikasa. But with all of them against her, I'm not entirely certain that they'd be able to stop she'd be able to stop them. Okay, but you still have Armin with Aaron. Both of those two are never gonna turn against Aaron. He might voice his doubts and everything. So you have two Titans and an Ackerman versus the rest of them. You know Aaron could take down most of them himself. Not Captain Levi, but... At the end of the day, if Aaron forces their hand, I think they'll be willing to take him out. Because if he unleashes the Founding Titan and starts the rumbling, it's either take him out or he destroys the world. Yeah, but they don't know that... You don't have a choice in that that scenario. Especially if he has told you several times, you can't can't assume he's not going to do it. If he has unleashed them and they're going, you gotta assume he's serious. Yeah, but once he unleashes them, they're not stopping. So what would be the point? Of- if you take them out, they're not gonna do anything. If you eat the tight, if you eat the founder, you can stop them. Yeah, but they would still have to figure out how to use the founder. And I don't know where it's gonna go. That's just what I think. It's a theory. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's. It's so hard to figure out where this show is going. I mean. The story writing just gets crazier with every season. Well, especially because nobody's safe. Like, anybody could die. You see Erwin get his arm bit off. We thought he was going to die there. Then you see him with a chance to be revived. Everybody thought it was going to be him instead of Armin. And they chose Armin. So then he died. It shows that even, like, the person that's trusted above all these other people is expendable. But he was also the one yelling that Aaron is not expendable. So the person that Levi trusted more than anybody else who told Levi time and time again that Aaron is not expendable 
and everything. I don't think Levi will turn against Aaron. I think he's already stated that he will. He's stated it several times okay. throughout this season Stating that he will. Stating it and doing it or something completely different. Yeah, he's kicked Aaron around and everything, but he's also been the first person to, besides Mikasa, because Mikasa's always the first person. He's always the person who actually comes in and gets the save on Aaron. He's never let him be taken in all those times. And he even, he addresses that before he goes into attacks Zeke. He's like, I've saved you so many times. I've watched my comrades die for you so many times. This is what we're getting back for that. I think that anger is going to drive him to, yes, you're going in the ground. I don't think so. No, nope, agree, well, agree. Imagine, imagine that sense of betrayal. Okay, but you got to remember all of his comrades did die for him. Do you think he's going to spit on his comrades? In his mind, Aaron is the one spitting on their graves for wasting their sacrifice. I think it was more of a, like, he stated his moral high ground is shot to shit. So he probably doesn't have any super attached emotion to this. He might be upset that Aaron forced them into it. But I don't think he's upset enough for him to betray him. I honestly think that you have misread the character of Levi. I don't know. Because Captain Levi is a soldier at heart. He cares about his comrades. He mourns them when they die. And above all, he wants to carry the torch that their sacrifice will not be in vain. He put all of his hopes into Aaron. So I think his reaction, especially given his past with Kenny, to that betrayal is, I have sacrificed for you. Your comrades have sacrificed for you. The people that are still here have sacrificed for you. People have laid down their lives their blood, sweat, and tears. There are gravestones out there that died for you, and this is how you repay their sacrifice? No, I'm going to take you down and avenge them. Uh, nope. I don't think he's on his side. I I've never said he's completely on there, but I just said I don't think he'll take him out. I don't think he'll be the one to end up doing it in the end. I think it's going to be Mikasa. I think it should be Mikasa. I hope not. That'd be sad. Yeah, it would be sad, but I think she's the only one that... Should be the one to kill Aaron. Okay, so Rhina just saved um, Galliard. Where's Rhina's art going? Now he's one of the three, because Peak survived. So he's one of the three Titans that Marley has left. I think Rhina's story is going to be about accepting his sins. Because he's clearly at war with himself. We've seen his fractured personality. He can't reconcile the warrior he was meant to be and seeing these people as demons but then also like Aaron had said being put under their roofs accepting the food that they gave him and no coming to know them and realizing they're just people he couldn't really find a balance of that within himself so that's why he's tormented so and I think he should be able to come to terms with himself so you think Rhino's going to come to terms with himself but what's that mean for him in the oncoming fights i think he's get. i think that's gonna motivate him to take to stop aaron because you see him transforming multiple times in you know seasons two three Mm -hmm. you see all this but he didn't even fully transform the first time he just made a bunch of fingers around him and falco to survive and then when his titan came back it wasn't even fully armored so is he getting weaker? Well, we heard Falco say something about you need the will to live. 
to activate your Titan powers for them to heal you. And I think that might have something to do with coming into full strength. That might have something to do with the fact that you need a specific goal to Titan shift that might play into that or something. I think that uh, Rhina is going to have to regain that will to live if he's going to defeat Aaron. That could definitely be one. I mean, do you think at the end there's going to be a big, big battle between Rhina and Aaron? Oh, we've already seen that there will be in the trailer that they released. Oh, I haven't seen the trailer yet. Yeah, there's a trailer and part uh, just like a quick snippet of what we saw is Rhina and Aaron fighting. Okay, that's going to be cool. No, it would be cool if Mikasa got a Titan. Uh, she might actually end up inheriting the founder, maybe. Maybe yeah. she that's maybe that's the answer, is that they have to take the founder from Aaron. Or maybe they just kill him. I don't know. That's just what I think will happen. I could be wrong. So do they still have Annie Lanehart up in the... Yes, she's still in her coma. She's in that... that she's in that, like... Crystal shell thing, so... Yeah. Aaron just got the Warhammer Titan. Is it plausible that he's gonna now go track her down? If they're going to wake up Annie, it has to be now. Yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like we talked about earlier, there was a big fight. She turned in, was almost like morphing their bodies together. So she's a Marleyan. So will they just take her out? Will they see if they can get another vial to see if they can make another Titan? Will they give the power to Aaron? Because... With the female Titan, I believe, the female Titan inherits abilities much easier than other Titans. It can also harden its skin for extra offensive and defensive defensive cap- capabilities. It can also summon pure Titans with its screen. So, will we see Eren inherit some of those powers and eat her? Or do you think we'll just leave the female Titan out of this? Like I said, if they're going to wake up Annie, it has to be now. Yeah, but what, and in I what think capacity that, would they do it? Would they do it as in I'm, she's coming back with Marley and they just happen to free her? Are they doing it with the scout regiment going to get her? Are they doing it of her own? I have no person? idea. What do you think, though? The only thing I can speak of for sure is I don't think they're going to kill her. At I least I don't think the scouts will. I think Armin will especially try to stop them, given that he now... Quasi has Bertolt's feelings for her, but also you see a lot of the scouts are just so sick of the killing. Like especially Armin when he spoke to Gabi when they recaptured her, she's like, "I murdered your friend. Aren't, aren't you gonna kill me?" And he's like, "No, I'm not." When she says, "Why don't you want to?" He's like, "Why is that all you think about? Why? Do, why would I want to kill you?" I mean, they're I, getting sick of all this violence. I mean, that's a really, really great point to have you see a lot of scouts going away from violence so maybe you are right maybe some of them are going to start turning against Aaron in a bigger capacity do you think any of them will try and switch sides on them you, you think that maybe some someone's going to become a Jaegerist uh no I'm thinking more of the part where like somebody's so sick of it they try and go make a deal with Marley Oh, okay, you think they're going to turn to Marley. I don't think they're stupid enough to do that. You don't think maybe they're going to send one dumb person over there and it's going to start a whole nother thing? If that happens, it's got to be a trap. I don't think there's any of our main characters are stupid enough to trust Marley. They know that once parody is gone, they're going to be wiped out. That's fair, so 
this is going to be the second half of the final season. Mm-hmm. What is the ending of the show? I think there's only two ways that this can end. Either one, parody is freed. Two, Aaron destroys the world. So, in the parody and is free, is that your one where Aaron dies? Or in some, if I'm wrong about that, in some capacity, the LDM people and parody become free. That's going to be, it's really going to be interesting to see how they develop the arc in relation to a lot of this different stuff that they've been going through. I mean, there's nine Titans. The biggest one standing at 60 meters tall, which is the Colossal. The smallest one standing at 4 meters, which is the Cart Titan, barely bigger than the Jaw Titan at 5. The rest of them are just about 15 meters, 14, 17. Nothing really that stands out too, too much. But what I'm looking for here is Mikaza. Okay. So... You see her originally being the level-headed one. Aaron, come chop wood. Aaron, do this. Aaron, yeah. stay out of... Over the course of these seasons, I feel like she's adapting more of a Captain Levi vibe than the person who just wants Aaron to stay safe. Now she's like, okay, I'm getting sick of this shit. I'm going to keep you safe because she loves him, but she's sick of all this shit that he's putting her through. I think she's, at her core, the same she's always been. So only Aaron matters? I think she's proven that because even when Armin was trying to attack Aaron on her behalf, she still stopped him. So I think on some level, to her, Aaron is the only thing that matters. So do you think that will draw a line in between her and Armin, or Aaron and Armin? I think it already has driven a line between Aaron and Armin. Okay, so you think that now Armin's sick of the shit. Instead of Mikita being sick of it, Armin is. I don't think Armin's stupid enough to fully buy what Aaron's going through, but he is definitely pretty pissed off at Aaron. And understandably, he did just kind of get the shit kicked out of him. That's fair enough. So now they've thrown their rebellion. They're riding the big wave. Do you think that will affect how the response to the Marley invasion is going to be? I think it's got to be because Aaron needs the manpower. They can't keep the people who are against them locked up. I mean, that cuts out a big part of their stuff, but they also had everybody drink that spinal fluid wine. So I think the only way we can really know what's going to happen is when we know what Zeke and Aaron have planned together. Because we know virtually nothing about their correspondences. So you have Zeke's childhood playing catch with... Do you remember that guy's name? The, the previous Beast Titan. The previous Beast Titan. They're both playing catch. Which, with the Beast Titan, it says in the Beast Titan description that takes on the physical characteristics of different animals that varies... Between its inheritors. It's also referred to as the strongest titan. So... Well, as we've seen, that's pretty much entirely a Zeke thing. Yeah, because so, as we've seen, uh, the previous Beast Titan said that it was pretty much useless beyond him being a researcher. And then because of Zeke's royal blood, it became stronger. Yeah, I mean, it. there's been a ton of different ones. I mean, you see alligators, whales. You see... 
the big beast titan you see i think there's a rhino in there when it shows oh yeah in that in the season two opening yeah exactly so you see all these different ones it varies from inheritor to inheritor so would you say it almost encompasses their spirit animal into what it would be or do you think it comes from attributes that they picked up as they were kids before they inherited the titan and really gives it like a strong vocal point like he played catch a lot. He was good at throwing. You hear that in there. So now his Titan is these long, super lengthy arms can get a ton of power behind the throw. I think it might be that. I think I think it's. I think yeah, it adapts to your strengths. I think we're gonna learn a lot more about how the Titans work once we see what Zeke's plan is with activating the Founder. So I think we're gonna learn a lot more secrets about this world and how it works. But since we were mentioning the openings. I wanted to use that to transition to something we were talking about before recording, how I was going to tell you why the openings are so great. Why are the openings so great? So, obviously because all the songs are awesome. That's one of the reasons the openings are great. Something that the openings do is they always evolve along with the show. The current opening for whatever arc of the show is going on displays the character's mentality. It always follows through that. And you can see that in both the lyrical composition and uh, and in the composition of the song. But not only does it do that, you also see, especially with the first three openings, they're essentially war propaganda that glorifies the military while showing how evil and terrifying the Titans are and how brave and courageous the, the scouts are. And you should come join. And I have some quotes from the lyrics because I found some English translations of some of the songs that really reinforce that, Uh, especially with the first opening. You see in the lyrics that the first couple lines kind of encompass who Aaron is just as a character. The first couple lines beyond the season of Cessna Vincent Diego are, our names won't be remembered if we die like trampled flowers. I refuse to be forgotten, written off as less than worthless. That kind of really encompasses Aaron as a character. And then it transitions into a lot more of that war propaganda. Because you see, uh, one of the later lines is, you no longer live as cattle, will you rise and join the battle? And then a lot of just other stuff. I'll, I'll show you the song later when we're done recording. But it's a lot of lines that like glorify violence and like encourage not leaving survivors and stuff like that. So now it's on the, okay. Mm-hmm. It's war. It's time for war. Yeah, it, it's encouraging you to fight. Like, we got to fight back against the oppressors. But then you get to season uh, three's first opening. That one, I actually really like that one because of how different it is from the other ones. I know when season three was first airing, a lot of people hated that opening because it wasn't super epic and hype like the other ones. But I love it because it perfectly displays how... Everything's different now. Everything's more complicated than we thought it was. So that's why the song has become a lot more melon, um, a lot more melancholy. The characters are questioning everything they thought that they believed. And that's why that song's so great. And you see with the imagery, we're also going to be discussing character backstories. We're going to learn a lot more about Levi and about some different characters. And then we get right back on track with kind of a little more war propaganda for the fifth opening because they're fulfilling their valiant mission. We're going to retake Shiganshina. And then when we get to the season four opening, 
you notice that there's no character roll call. It's not war propaganda. It just shows the brutal reality of war. Because with the composition of the song and all of the imagery, it's just chaos and destruction. You see flames, you see explosions, you see things breaking and people dying. It's showing that this is going to be showing the brutal reality of war. There's no good, there's no bad, it's just war. The openings evolve along with the show. I rest my case. No, I really... That was an amazing, amazing intro. So Thank you. I just thought of this while I was sitting over here listening to you. Yeah. With how much Gabi wants to fight, do you think maybe we see her inherit the armor titan? She is the leading candidate for it. I think... I'm not sure about her inheriting titans, but I love her character because she's clearly a reflection of Aaron Yeager when he was her age. She acts very similarly to Aaron Yeager, especially when he was younger. Because Aaron's first response to his mom starting to be devoured by the Titan was wanting to go back and fight. Her first response to them showing up is grabbing a gun and charging into the war zone, screaming how she will never forgive them and she will kill her enemies. I mean, you see the exact same thing with Aaron and the Titan, so... I was say you're 110% right. I mean, I'm just curious to whether or not we get to see her or Falco inherit a Titan because now they're becoming a big part. I mean, every other warrior candidate's been killed off. There's three Titans left, so do you think we see them inherit Titans to join the battle in a more major way? I don't know if they're going to be able to get Titans. I think that this is going to be the final battle. Like What we're ramping up to is the final battle everything that this show is built up to. I don't think they're going to have time to join the battle with Titans. And also, they've been clearly foreshadowing throughout the season that Titans are becoming obsolete. This might be the last day of Titan supremacy. Yeah. I mean, you can see that there's so much ODM differentials now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have the standard one-shot, like buckshot, shell rounds that Kenny Ackerman used. You have the semi-auto pistols that they use in Marley. You have the... Thunder Spears. The Thunder Spears. You have the regular swords. So now they're starting to come up with stuff for every situation. So you could really be right. It could be obsolete. But the only problem, again, would be Aaron. He has more power than your ordinary Titan. So in what capacity are we going to see him? Is he going to be like the final boss or is there going to be a couple more good fight scenes coming from him in the second half? I think we're, I think we're getting some more good fight scenes from him. I think it's going to be a bit of both. If this were, if this weren't the full like second half of the season, then I would think he's probably just going to, be there to wrap everything up. But since we have a full half of the season to go, I think this fight is going to be pretty dense. A lot of things are going to be happening. Okay, and what about Armin with his colossal Titan? He can't transform. He's going to take out too many friendlies. He can't transform. I mean, he could transform, like, outside the wall or whatever. Or, I mean, I get he causes a lot of damage, but that's kind of the theme of this season is... I mean, he bro's already blown up a fort, so... But he's not going to risk his own comrades. Yeah, but I'm not saying he has to transform right with his own comrades. I mean, this is about to be a big fight. So, 
I think he will probably transform at some point next season. Because now that I'm thinking about it, Bertolt was able to just transform his upper torso on top of the wall, and that didn't cause a massive explosion. So there are probably ways that Armin can work around it, especially with his mind. He'll figure something out. Oh, this is actually good information to have. This might change your mind. So the definition on the Colossal Titan. Mm -hmm. Enormous and can emit intense amounts of steams from its body like a blast furnace at a gradual cost of its muscle tissue. The user is able to control the Titan's transformation power and blast radius. Okay, so so there's clearly going to be a blast. So he does got to get his comrades away, but he can choose just how big of one. Yeah, so it has to be, he can make it as small as he wants, kind of like when Berthold was on top of the wall. But we, what I'm wondering is, not in the capacity of like inside the walls and everything, will we get to see him fighting another Titan? Or something like that in that capacity. I mean, we saw with Bertol and all them, he fought the scouts. Given the Titans that he's going up against, I don't think he's going to be doing a whole lot of fighting against Titans. I think that the best way they could use him is get him on top of the wall and take out the blimps. Yeah, but what I was thinking was, I'm just going with your mm. um, the rumbling starts theory. Those are all colossal titans, so they would have to use Armin in some capacity if they wanted to incapacitate those guys. Well, there's only so much he can do. There's only one of him. There's hundreds of millions of them. No, they're just made up by the walls. There's not hundreds of millions. There might be, like, the smaller titans, but, like... No, they're all colossal titans. There's hundreds of millions of them that make up the walls. The walls are massive. Maybe I think they're smaller than they... It's like, they, they do say at one point that he brought hundreds of millions of titans with him. Oh, wow. To make up the walls. Uh, yeah, the rumbling would destroy the earth. That's why it's so much of a threat. So maybe that's the end we see? I think it's entirely possible that it could end that way, because I do remember, towards the beginning of Attack on Titan, the author did state that he had an idea for an ending which would involve everyone dying. I mean, that would be crazy. That would be hardcore. That'd be a hardcore ending, but would it kill Aaron too at the end of the day? I mean, he's the one who started the rebelling. They're not going to go for him. I don't know. I, I guess really the only thing that we can do is either one, read the manga, or two, wait and see. I guess you're right. Uh, so before we finish this off, uh, I want to ask you a quick question. Who's your favorite character and why? Who's my favorite character? It's got to be Aaron. I love Aaron Yeager. Just that like brute, like, I'm going to fuck it up whether you like it or not. I kind of resonate with that. Like, <laughs> come on, bro. You know you can't stop me. He just has like that whole like walk like a king or walk like you don't give a fuck who the king is. He has that whole vibe to him. And I like it. If we're talking about somebody outside of Titan form, it's got to be Levi. I know those are some basic answers, but like, just the action scenes with Levi hit different. Yeah, they definitely do. How about you? My favorite character is actually Historia. Historia, to me, is the most interesting character. Because I just love her backstory. Her backstory is one of the most interesting ones. How she was never wanted by her family. 
and she was still able to rise up and become the person that she is. Someone who now in a very real way holds the fate of humanity in her hands. And she's also just a badass. She really is. When she cut down her the Rod Rice Titan, mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, my favorite moment with her that cemented that she was my favorite character was when she basically told Rod Rice to go fuck himself and freed Aaron. And her only reason was, basically, essentially, she realized, fuck that guy, half the shit you're saying doesn't even make any sense. I'm not just going to let you tell me what to do because you're my dad. When were you ever there? And then he goes up to Aaron and says, you're saying that you're worthless and no one needs you, and that's not true. Yeah. And, oh, I love that so much. I think mm, she's you're just a such softy. a great character, man. You're just a big softy, man. Yeah, I know. But I think that's where we should wrap it up for this week. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's a great wrapping up point. That's it for us at 3, 2, 1, Discuss. We're mo- we're most definitely doing a part two once season four wraps up. Oh, of course. Yeah, we got we got to talk about the ending of Attack on Titan. Come on. Oh, definitely. And don't forget, we did make our social media accounts at 3, 2, 1, Discuss underscore on everything. Check us out there. Follow. DM us. Let us know what you want us to do. But that's all I got for you guys this week. Uh, Perfect. We will see you guys next week. And go ahead and hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at 321discuss underscore, just like Tanner was saying. And we will see you guys next week.